This is Brighter Futures, brought to you by Future Radio, funded by the Empowering Communities for Mental Health and Wellbeing Fund through Norfolk Community Foundation. In this series, our focus is on men, their struggles with their mental health, what's brought about their struggle, the support they've been offered and given to them, and where they are in their lives now as they look to a brighter future. We will also hear from those who are offering that support. Our focus this series is on the men's group Leroy's Lads, who have been meeting weekly to have a cuppa, have a chat, and head off on some activities such as going to the pub or going for a round of golf. Charlotte Karamata is the one who organises the group, inspired by her friend Leroy. In this episode, I will be chatting to Charlotte about Leroy and how she came to form Leroy's Lads. This episode features discussion on suicide. So Charlotte, the group that we're hearing quite a lot through this series is called Leroy's Lads, um, and Leroy's name does crop up quite a bit. Uh, Are you able to tell us a bit more about Leroy and his story? Yeah, so um, Leroy was a childhood friend of mine that I met when I was about 15. Um, We met at a house party years ago, and he came in the room, and he just lit up the room, and he was just vibrant and lively and amazing. And I was like, wow! who's that um and he was just yeah brilliant and we instantly became friends um and then kind of as we got older he went off and had his children I went off and had my son um but then we'd always kind of see each other out and about and say hello um and then when when was it? I think it was about in 2019 we ran into each other again and became really close and we'd see each other most days um and it became really apparent that Leroy was suffering with his mental health um he he hadn't had a diagnosis at this time but he was kind of bedbound quite a lot with um a lot of dark thoughts and it was completely different from the Leroy that I'd seen at this this house party years ago um and he opened up about a lot of trauma that he'd had in his childhood that obviously I wasn't aware about at, at the beginning. Um, and it was really evident that this had taken his toll on, on his life and he was drinking heavily, he was taking drugs. Um, and he was just just really, really different. It was really quite sad to see. And he'd have good days and, and he'd had really bad days where he just wouldn't get out of bed. Um, but he was, um, he was trying and... He would um, he would get to the point where sometimes things would get too much and he would just completely smash up his flat. So my part was I would come in and I would I would clean up after him and you know try and make things better for you know for him to live in. And then one day he said that he'd got um, a support worker called Camilla, and he said you know Camilla can sort this out she can do that and do that. I kept thinking, oh, this Camilla girl sounds amazing. And she's also like, literally, bless her heart, having to deal with so much for him because he's literally saying that she can fix everything. Um, and he was getting to the point where he wanted to move because his his flat that he was in kind of felt like a goldfish bowl. He was very open in, um, to, to all of his neighbours and he kind of had some problems with his neighbours due to his mental health problems. Um, and it all just didn't help with what was going on. And he was due to go to the Julian Hospital, actually, one day for an appointment. So I was cleaning up his flat, trying to get it all ready to take pictures for the move. 
and there was a knock on the door and it was Camilla and I opened the door and it was Camilla and I was like oh my god I used to go to school with you Camilla oh my god you're the Camilla that he keeps talking about um so forgive me where did he find Camilla how did that so he'd, he'd called Camilla um he called future projects actually um to ask for some help so it, it was there at that point that Camilla had already stepped in so this was prior to me even knowing that he'd called anyone for help so I I was totally oblivious he just one day kept going on about Camilla and I was like I didn't realize he'd called anyone um yeah so I think this was during lockdown that he'd he'd done that because obviously when all that happened his health really deteriorated um because he couldn't go and be with anyone Uh, the isolation really took a quite dramatic toll on him um so yeah, and and this is I was like, oh, Camilla, we used to go to school with each other, you know, and it was, and it was great because I I knew who he was talking about, <laughs> um, and he and he just completely turned, said, I'm I'm not going to the appointment, and I was like, yes, you are, <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not, um, and it was because he was scared, he was scared to go to this appointment and scared to get a diagnosis and scared to, um kind of face reality of what was going on with his head he was he was really um frightened about all the things that he was experiencing you know he was experiencing voices in his head um you know all this dramatic like sweats and um kind of almost like really dark nightmares um and he he was scared to go and actually face the reality of what all that was um and Camilla c- couldn't get him there. So I said, right, I'm taking you. And then when I said I was taking him, he just wanted a hug to say that it's all going to be okay. And that was well, my point where I realised, actually, he's so vulnerable because he'd always put on this strong front, um, but he would always need comfort and reassurance. Um, and that's part where I realised, you know, he is more fragile than what I perhaps thought because I'd always had this you know perception of him still as being this you know guy at the party where he came in and he was you know beaming um and then this I obviously saw this complete different side of him where he was really fragile um and it was at that point when I realized actually you know he he does need a lot more love and comfort in um than what I initially I initially thought. So yeah, so he was he was going to the Julian Hospital. Um and we all thought that he was getting better. We thought, you know, this is this is brilliant. This is this service is working. Um he started to go out of the house a little bit more, um, which we thought was great, you know. He hadn't been out of the house for, for months. Um and I thought this this is definitely working. We're gonna get his move sorted. This is this is going to be great. Um, and then one day I went to check on him because I hadn't heard from him. He and, and normally if we'd call each other, if either of us had missed a call, we'd call each other straight back. Um, we'd call each other about stupid things like what we bought from the shop. What snacks have you got? So it was it was strange that he hadn't called called me back. So I went um, I went to check on him. I. Leroy's door was always unlocked. It wasn't normal, but you had to knock on the door and he would say, it's open and you'd walk in. I was just able to walk in. We we had that kind of relationship. But I went to put my key in the door um, and realised it was open. And I walked in and I remember it being a bit messy. 
and I was a little bit angry thinking I've just cleaned all this up ready for your you know for you to move and um and I was looking all around on the floor at the mess I thought he's not in here I presumed that he was in bed having you know having a bad day um and it was at that point when I, I realized that he wasn't in his bed that and I looked into his kids bedroom um and found that he'd took his life in there um and I was completely shocked. Leroy had talked about taking his life um, frequently. And I thought, this is just his his cry for help. He This is serious. He needs help. Um, and when we go into the junior hospital and things, I thought this was, you know, we're getting him the help now. Camilla's arranged for this. This is the help that he's getting. Um... But when I when I then found him, I you know I I thought he's actually done it, he's done it, and and actually when we thought he was getting better, I think that was actually his way of saying goodbye, um, and that was really that was really difficult because when you think somebody talks about it a lot, I think the natural assumption is well they're just talking about it, they're never going to do it, they're just crying out for help, they're never going to do it. Um, and I know I absolutely felt that way. I thought that's just his way of saying that he needs help or he needs someone to be around him at that moment. Um, and now I realise how serious you have to take those words every single time. Because I think a lot of people just think, well, they said that last week. They said that yesterday. They're not going to do it. If they were going to do it, they'd do it. Um and you can never you can never take that back when someone's done it you can never take back that moment where you think i should have been there i wish i would have gone round you know you can never get that moment back so for me i now really overthink probably every situation where somebody says i'm going to kill myself i actually take that for literal um because you just never know when that moment will actually be true. And they could have said it 20 times that day, but actually on the 21st time they could do it. What do you think turned for him? You mentioned, you know, he was, he was being given help, he was being given that support, but clearly that wasn't enough, that wasn't working, and he was almost using it, would you say, as a shield to say to, 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 say to you, the front is, yeah, everything's fine, this is helping me. Mm. The reality, it wasn't. Absolutely, I I think that um, he had got so fed up of telling his story, and this is something that I've spoke to the guys in Leroy's Lads about, is with men, they don't open up very often, and then to open up and tell their stories is a massive thing. And then when you're directed to so many different services and you have to keep retelling your story, it's traumatic. And then, you know, they're expected to engage all the time, which I know is part of the process. But telling your story and reliving it is reliving the trauma every day. And I don't think there's coping mechanisms in place for men to be able to to do that. I think women are very good at reaching out to friends, 
talking, going for a coffee, having other ways of, of dealing with it. I think a lot of men will go to the pub. They'll then take drugs. I know that's definitely something Leroy did to block out those feelings after they've they've talked about things. I think he thought that was the right thing to do by going to the services and um, trying to cope with it. I think that he was just overwhelmed with it all being brought to the surface and he didn't have the tools to deal with those emotions. I don't think that he was given the tools to be able to deal with that. So we move uh, from Leroy to the, the the group Leroy's lads. Can you tell us about how we how you go from sort of like you know with 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 your friend Leroy in that situation, and then becoming involved in the group? What was that journey for you? How did we get there? So as soon as I started working at Future Projects, um, and I saw the, the the clients that that come to Baseline and the the clients that we deal with on a daily basis. I knew that I had to do something. I mean, it was always in my mind that Leroy's legacy had to live on and that no other person should have to go through the things that he had to go through and to feel that that was the way, that that was the way out. There aren't many um, places for men to go to, to deal with their mental health or, you know, groups to go to. And I just said one day, you know, I'd really like to start a men's mental health group. And I was really lucky that I was supported by my team, my line manager. And and they said, OK, yeah, brilliant. Write down some things that you think that you'd want to do. Um, and, you know, the the the, the guys who we, who we work with, they were lucky to, to uh, find some opportunities to get bidding and get funding. Um, and it grew from there. And I was so passionate about it, thinking... This can't be the way that that other men go. I feel like I constantly see on Facebook, rest in peace to, you know, another man who's took his, his life. And I feel like I'm constantly seeing it. Since Leroy's passed away, I feel like that this is this is all that, that I see. And I see that the clients that come to baseline that are struggling with them their mental health. And I think there's there's gotta be something that we do. You know, we do you know, there's mother and baby groups that that go around. Why is there not men's mental health groups? You know, and I just think it's something that's so obvious, but there's not there's not enough of them. So I just felt like this has happened to him. I've got to stop of, well, I've got to try and stop that happening to other people by just giving them some sort of group to come to as an outlet to, to you know, to talk about or, you know, to come to to um, stop feeling isolated or come to to come do an activity, come do bowling, come meet some new people, you know, to just kind of take away that feeling. And if I could help one person to stop feeling suicidal... Then I've done, I've done something good. And that's exactly what the group's about. And we hear in this series uh, sections uh, from the group. And it, you know, it isn't a group to that for them to come and talk about their problems. I mean, it is. I mean, if if they want to open yeah. up and talk about that, they have that option. But it can be something as simple as talking about, you know, what you got up to on a night out, or what yep. you, you know, the fact that it's plastic straw, uh, no longer plastic straws at McDonald's, <laughs> and uh, and little thing and little things like that. But when you hear yeah. it, and it, it encourages encourages to open up, and it gives, as you say, it gives them someone to talk to and stops them feeling isolated. Mm. I always say to, to to the group, you know, I'm 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 not a trained professional. 
but I've got lived experience of what it feels like to lose somebody. Um, and I've got my own mental health problems, same as a lot of people have. And if you want to sit and talk, let's talk. I'm more than happy. I'm open ears. You know, let's sit and talk. And I might not be able to give you all the answers that you'll need, but I think it's better to sit and talk and offload than to sit and hold that problem on your own. And if you feel like you don't want to come and talk one week or you you actually don't want to talk any week, but you just want to come and get out of your house, because sometimes that's the biggest obstacle, just getting out of your front door. Come, come and sit with us. Come and have a cup of coffee come bowling with us come play snooker with us you know they're things that all things that we do and it's not a pressured environment i think the more you put pressure on men especially the more they will refrain from talking so i like to keep it as an open forum to be like let's just get together let's all get a group of lads talking or meeting new people um and like i said the option's always there where you can talk or you might find another another guy that you meet that you want to talk to or build a friendship with um and it doesn't be that you have to talk to me um but i like to keep it open and free i don't want to put pressure on people because you know you never know what's going on behind closed doors and you never know what's you know someone's situation is they might not be ready to talk so i like to keep it free and open that people can come and do whatever they feel comfortable with and the fact that it's not a professional service Mm. probably makes that better and encourages them to come along yeah i think a lot of the time um and, and this is experience that i've found in my old role when I was helping the guys in the prison, actually sometimes when people are professionals, people will withdraw from them because sometimes they're not relatable. And this is what we find a lot of the time is is people with who are in the profession and it's nothing, you know, I'm not, I'm not taken away from what they do because they do an amazing job, but... Um, they will give you the, the answer of, of the, or a diagnosis or whatever... Um, but they're not relatable to that person. They can't understand what that person's going through because they necessarily haven't got that lived experience. So some people will feel like, well, they don't understand me because, you know, X, Y, and Z. But actually, these group of people that are all coming together at Leroy's Lads all feel very similar and and they all feel relatable because I know that Bob over there is feeling very similar to Dave over there, you know. And, and sometimes the professionals are, they're there for a medical purpose or, you know, they don't necessarily, they might understand um, the reason why somebody's feeling like that. But I don't necessarily feel like the, the empathy part is there because it's very medical based so I think sometimes people will withdraw from that but it's definitely something that obviously they need to to go and do to to help help cure the problem um but I think sometimes there's a bit of withdrawal there from things that I've seen personally you know through from my experiences but um yeah it's obviously something that needs to be done but I think that the way that we we go about it going forward perhaps is is that actually people need to to kind of put a different spin on how they look at these these chaps that are going through these things is actually you know yes you need to look at it from a medical perspective but actually you need to kind of put your yourself in their shoes and try to understand how they'll feel in that moment because I think you'll get a much better response from them if you kind of try and you know live in the moment of how they're feeling it's kind of helping them by not helping them yes really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah 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 um so What's been the result? Obviously, the group's been going on for some time at the, at this point in in the recording. So, 
what has been the impact that you've seen on them? So I, I think we've definitely seen a, a, an improvement in the guys' mental health. And even, you know, some of the people who have, have come in and just had a coffee and who have just sat kind of in the background, who have then come out to um, a, a group session of, like, the bowling or the snooker or whatever we do, which is actually a huge huge thing for them these are people that don't even go to group activities these are people who can't even sit in our baseline center for a long period of time because they have such uh strong mental health problems that they, they can't be in groups for a long period of time so for these guys to come to a group activity somewhere out in the community is absolutely huge we've had um some of the the participants of the group now want to run the group independently um, if we don't get any further funding which I think is amazing they want to go out and do things in the local community like litter picking um, cooking community meals which I just think is is amazing for me my purpose of this this project was you know to be able to help people with their mental health and for these guys to then turn it into something that they then want to help other people like i just i get emotional about it but it it beams me with with pride to think that these guys are now in a position where actually they didn't even want to come out of the house at the start of this and some of them had to be brought by other people to this group and now they're at the point where where they want to go out and do things for for the community i feel like i've succeeded in, in this group and Leroy's legacy will, will live on as part of this and I'm so proud of all the guys that have come to the group to to now see them thriving in all different ways and, and to 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 understand you know Leroy's story and to have had their own stories inputted into the group and now they all want to do different things to, to continue that just makes me so proud. And as you say, carry on Leroy's uh, legacy, really. And do you think that something like this would have helped him if he had something like this? He'd still be here now. Absolutely. I, I feel like if he um, if he was able to to go around and his character, he probably would have been a bit resistant. But um, I think if if he was if he was able to go to to, to certain groups like this or you know places like men's craft and things like that to get him out of the house would would have been huge to him absolutely massive because being isolated in your own home and feeling like you're you're trapped and imprisoned in your own home through your mental health is is debilitating and for him to know that he could have gone somewhere like Leroy's lads and and done things actually with different people, even going you know to play snooker for an hour a day, actually would have had a huge improvement on his on his mental health. I feel anyway, because um, it would have given him a sense of purpose to get up for the day. When you when you're out of work or you know and your and your mental health is bad, people think, what have I got a reason to go out for? You know, I can order food in now. We're in a generation where you can get your shopping delivered, you can get a takeaway delivered. I've got no reason to leave my house. So we need to give people a reason to get up and, and to to go out and do something. And I think that's why there needs to be more groups like this. And I think Leroy would have benefited from it completely. And I hope he looks down on us and, and sees that we're making a difference to, to people who felt very similar to how he did.
If you've been affected by any issues raised in this edition of Brighter Futures, or you need support or just a chat, then you can call Future Projects on 01603 327 889. That's 01603 327 889. Or you can email support at futureprojects.org.uk. This has been Brighter Futures, brought to you by Future Radio, funded by the Empowering Communities for Mental Health and Wellbeing Fund through Norfolk Community Foundation.